Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and leaned over to me just before I came up, and she said, I don't know, that's a pretty cute act to follow. And so, John chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 18, and uh, I'm so thankful you're here this morning. Uh, I really do want to say I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you for taking the time to worship with us and to gather with us uh, this morning. And I do pray uh, that the message this morning will encourage you, uh, will, will help you in some way uh, to be reminded of God's great love for you. And uh, I love that song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And uh, so often in life, it's easy to bless His name when things are going well. Is that true? Uh, it's easy to, when things are going good and the medical is good and the health is good and the finances are good, it's easy to kind of just go, ah, and we kind of almost take Him for granted. But man, when the struggle comes, then we start to cry out to him. And I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I don't want to be that kind of follower of God. I want to be a follower of God that loves him and praises him in the storm and in the absence of storm. Uh, when I'm safe on the shore or out in the middle of the ocean, uh, we need to praise his name just the same because he is still good and still loving and still gracious to us even in the midst of our circumstance. And so uh, this morning, I want to kind of carry on last week's message of putting Christ first in all things onto this week's message and share how the increasing of Christ in our lives and the decreasing of self, how does that look practically in our lives and what are the benefits that it brings? Well, I truly believe that if I desire to elevate Christ in all things, we looked at the passage last week, that he must increase and I must decrease. We talked about how vastly different that is in the culture we live in today. In our culture today, it's all about self about you promoting you and having the biggest house and the biggest car and the nicest this and the cottage and the boat and all the stuff. And at the end of the day, it's, it's not about us, though. It's got to be about him. And so often we get so focused on self. And we do this even in our own marriages, in our own lives, in our own families. We start thinking that we somehow are supposed to be the center point of our family. That, that we, I talk to couples that all the time, man, just always struggling with this idea of, but my spouse won't do this and won't do this and she won't do that and he won't do this. And it's all about me, me, me. But man, when we as individuals realize my whole life is just about exalting Christ and I can just serve others and just be an example of Christ to them that he increases and I decrease. You know what happens in your family life and in your marriage and in your home? Man, the stress goes down. The tensions go down. All of a sudden, you don't feel disappointed and discouraged as much as you did because, you know, what if somebody forgets to acknowledge you in something? You're okay with it because, hey, man, it's all about him anyway. That's amazing. And so how does that look practically? How can we carry this on in our lives practically? Well, I truly believe Jesus prayed a prayer that I think can show us what it looks like every day to elevate Christ and to lower self. Now, let me remind you. Lowering self is not beating yourself up or tearing yourself down or, or I'm just a horrible person and all this self-defeat stuff. That's not what we're talking about. What we're saying is you put others before you. You think of yourself as God thinks of you. I mean, God says you are his crowning creation. You are so valuable to him. And some of you in this room, you've never really realized that. You've never really taken to heart that you are actually valued by God. I mean, he loves you so much. That he sent his son to die for you on a cross. And that by receiving that gift of salvation, you can have eternal life with him in heaven. And so for you this morning, you need to understand, it's not about tearing yourself down or promoting yourself too high. It's about thinking of yourself as God would think of you. It's kind of like, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. Right? This is too cold, this is too hot, but this is just right. It's kind of like that in our minds. 
No, we don't elevate self. We don't tear ourselves down. We just think of ourselves as God thinks of us. And we desire him to be glorified in all things. And I truly believe that's what Jesus prayed in John 17. John 17, look at verse 18. John 17, verse 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou hast gave to me I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. I don't know about you, but when I read these words, stop for a second here and try to put this in context. This is the prayer of Christ before going to the cross. This is the prayer of Christ before he surrendered his life on the cross of Calvary, dying for the sins of the world, sins he didn't commit, but sins of our doing. And he prays this prayer. And he's crying out to God. And read it in its entirety this week. It is an amazing cry from the heart of Christ. But there's some keys here. There's some things that he prays about. And there's a theme in his prayer. You see, first he prays for himself. We see that in the beginning part of the chapter. Then he prays for his disciples, those that are following him in that moment. Those that were supposed to be praying with him, but were doing what? Sleeping. That's right. By the way, if I was Jesus, I would have zapped a ton of people. These guys have been with you for three and a half years, and you think, man, they got it. They got it figured out. Do you ever meet anybody that no matter how many times you tell them something, they just never seem to get it? Anybody know somebody like this? You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's church. You can tell the truth. It's all right. How gracious do you want to be to that person after the 14th, 15th, 300th time of telling them, and they still aren't getting it? You just want to just, right? Kind of like shaking a coworker. Just get it. <laughs> Understand. If I was Jesus, this would be me. I ask these men who are supposed to know everything that we've been going through. They know what we're going through. They know what's coming up. And I say, hey, would you guys just pray for me and pray for what's going on here? And you walk away and you come back and they're sleeping. <sighs> okay, guys, hey, listen. Um, I'm going to go die for your sins in just a little bit. If you guys could just pray. I'll die for you, but you just got to pray for me. Could you just do that for an hour? And he leaves and he comes back. And what are they doing? Sleeping again. That's where, zzz, gone. Poof. Right? I mean, come on, let's be real here. Like, how annoying is that? Just pray for me. And they sleep. You're going to die for their sins. But they can't pray for you for 20 minutes. I'd be like, yeah, never mind. Because we would realize very quickly, we don't deserve the grace that he gives us. We don't love him nearly as much as he loves us. And it's crazy when you think about the reality of that. Like, he loves you so much. Even when you completely turn your back on him, he's like, man, I still love you. And he's so faithful. He's so good. He doesn't condone our sin, but he's understanding. He says, listen, if you will just turn to me, man, I'll forgive it. I'll restore you. I'll make you new. Jesus is praying, and he's praying for these disciples, and he's crying out to God. And as he's crying out here, there's a theme that he prays for his church. You see, he didn't just pray for himself. He didn't just pray for his disciples. He prayed for you and I right now, today, in North Goodland. 
sitting in that seat, you were on the mind of Christ 2,000 years ago in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, I don't know what that does to you. I don't know when you start thinking about that, what that brings to your mind or to your heart. But to me, I get really, really small. And I think about how humble I start feeling when the Son of God prayed for me over 2,000 years ago in a garden before he gave his life for our sins. Man, that just is such a humbling and an overwhelming emotion for me. I just feel overwhelmed by the great love that he has for us, that he has for his church. But what is the message that Christ prays for us? What is the message or the theme of this prayer? The message and the prayer is for unity, for oneness. Just in a few verses that I read multiple times, he says that they would be one, that they would be one, that they would be one. I truly believe that we are one and need to be one in this world. We are one in the body of Christ. What does it look like to elevate Christ and lower self? We realized our unity and our oneness in Christ, but also with each other. I want to look at two key areas in understanding this unity just quickly. Understanding this unity that we have through Christ. We can have a oneness with Christ and a oneness with each other. And so first I want to talk about a oneness with Christ. When you read through the verses that I just read, there's a two phrases, two uh, sayings that come through that just blow me away. Two things that he says in this prayer that when we really stop and think about what it means, it is so powerful. And it radically changes your view of him and your view of your life. Now let me say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and when I'm talking about these things, you're kind of just sitting there like, I don't really see the point. I mean, I'm more focused on getting from paycheck to paycheck than I'm worrying about heaven or hell or Jesus or salvation or any of that. Let me just tell you from the love that God has from you, all I'm asking you to do this morning is just open your heart up to him. Just be willing to say, God, whatever you have for me, would you just speak to me? And if you don't know him this morning, I pray that you would be willing to say, God, if you are there, God, if you really do love me, would you just show me your love? Would you speak to my heart this morning that I might know you? Because I truly believe he has a purpose and for every person in this room. You were created with value, created with purpose, and an intention by the creator God. You see these two phrases in this prayer demonstrate the power of a oneness with Christ. Look at verse 21 with me. Verse 21 says, That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me. As thou, Father, art in me are in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one. They also, jot that down if you're taking notes, they also. One translation translated as saying, just as. Just as Christ is one with the Father, Jesus prays and says, I want them to be one. He wants us to be so close to him that it can only be described as the same closeness the Father has with the Son. So let me ask you a question this morning, just an evaluation question, not to answer out loud, but just for yourself. Is that how you would describe your relationship with Christ? Would you say it is as close as Christ is and was to the Father on earth? This closeness is made only possible and 100% possible through the power of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The more I think about the wonderful gift of the Spirit, 
You see, when you receive Christ as your Savior by faith, just calling out to him, repenting of your sins, and asking him to save you, he gives you his Holy Spirit. And the minute that happens and you have the Holy Spirit within you, you now are drawn into a closeness with the Father, a closeness with the Son. You become one with Christ. Okay, that didn't do much for you. I got it. It's a little gloomy out, okay? It's a little rainy, right? You got up a little bit like this this morning, like, ugh, okay? I know, I'm sure many of us woke up that way. I did see some people weren't doing the motions, by the way. I'm not going to name names, but Jeff Proctor didn't do motions, okay? That's what I was told. Where is Jeff? Is he hiding in the sound booth? There he is. Okay, yeah, he's looking down now, okay? I had somebody approach me and said not to tattle on anyone and not to snitch anyone out, but listen, just wanting you to be aware that Jeff Proctor did not do the motions. Now, as I said that, I really didn't know who did the motions and who didn't, by the way. I wasn't really looking. I'm just teasing. But when I said I know who didn't do the motions, guess what happened? A lot of you did this. Right? I'm with you. I got you, okay? When we think about this idea of this oneness with Christ, that we are drawn into the very presence of God, and we were once enemies of God, and now we're the closest to him as his son is to him. Can you think about that transaction for a moment? Enemy of God, receive Christ, Holy Spirit, now you're as close to the Father as the Son is to him. You went from as far away from God as possible to the closest to God as possible. All because of the love of Christ. All because of the blood of Jesus Christ. All because of the cross and all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so often we look at that relationship and we completely just throw it by the wayside because we don't even value the truth of that. Man, you realize you are so close to the Father. Why was Christ so adamant about us being in a oneness with the Father and the Son? Why was Christ so impressed to pray, I just want them to be as close to you, Father, as I am to you and that relationship? I don't know, again, I don't know what that does to you when you think about the closeness that you have with Christ, but I want you to do something this morning. I want you to honestly evaluate right there in your seats between you and God. Be honest enough with yourself this morning. Stop thinking about whatever. Stop dwelling on whatever. If you've already kind of disconnected from the service, come back to us. <laughs> okay? You've got like episodes of other shows going on in your head. Come back to us. Okay? Lunch will be there when it's there. Don't worry about it. It's only 1130. We've got plenty of time. I wrote a two-hour sermon thinking I forgot about the awards thing. So I don't know. We're going to go to like 130 probably. So... And so isn't this how we are as human beings, though, in church? Can I just tell you right now? You're, you sat down in that chair with every intention to hear from God, and something happened, something crossed your mind, something, whatever, the enemy, and all of a sudden you drifted. And you're not focused right now on what God wants. Focus on him right now. Man, he loves you so much, he died for you. Give him the next 30 minutes. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. 30 minutes and say, God, I just want to hear from you. I'm going to tell you right now, it's better than anything you've ever experienced when you get close to him. I can tell you as somebody that's drawn close to him and as somebody that's allowed myself to drift from him, man, there's nothing like being close to Christ. Man, there's this warmth and this presence, and it's not all about emotion because sometimes the feelings may not be there, but it's the reality of the truth of his word. Man, do you ever just draw close to your father and just in the solitude of prayer just cry out Jesus and you just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? 
And you have no idea what's going to take place in the next hour, days, whatever's going on. And all of a sudden, he just fills you with his presence. And you just go, man, God, I don't even care about that stuff anymore. How could the disciples surrender literally boatloads of fish and walk away from it, not even caring? Because in that moment, man, something was more valuable to them than all the money in the boat. That was their profession, by the way. They had a lot of money in that boat. But something became more valuable to them, and it was Christ. You know what they really wanted to do? Do you know what they first did when they decided to, to connect with Christ? All they did was just follow him. Man, just somehow being in the presence of Jesus was enough. Man, they didn't ask Jesus to do a miracle. They didn't ask him to perform anything or to heal anything. The first thing they did was they just followed him. Because I'm telling you right now, when you draw into that oneness with Christ, it is an amazing gift to just be in the presence of God. And I don't know about you, but I want to encourage you, if you've drifted in any way in your walk with Christ, stop beating yourself up. There are those, those, those in this room right now that are struggling in a sin. Man, surrender it to Christ. Know who you are. Receive his forgiveness and move on. Man, just enjoy the presence of his relationship with you. Man, when you get into his word, just begin to read about his love for you and just be blown away by the fact that he says in verse 21, that they may all be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee. That they also may be one. So why was Christ so adamant about this? One, because he wants a relationship. But the second phrase in the oneness with Christ that blows me away is found in verse 23. Verse 23 says, I in them and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in one. Why? And why is that so valuable? Why is that so important? Look at what he says. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And that hast, and, and, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, do you realize that God loves the world as much as he loves his own son? That God loves you as much as he loved his own son and loves his own son? That Jesus loves you as much as he loves his own father in heaven? And why is that love so important? Because we have to testify of that to others. The second phrase is the world may know. Another translation translates it this way, saying, so that. Be one with Christ, so that the world will know that he sent Christ and that he loves the world. The greatest evidence of the gospel is our oneness with Christ. Jesus pointed that out, that the best evangelistic tool is our unity with Christ. Unity of mind, unity of actions, desires, and words. It is the greatest apologetic for Christ. Many of us enjoy debating or conversating with other non-believers and saying things like, Man, we'll, we'll consider this or consider that or consider this. It's all good. But you know what's greater than any logical argument you can even muster? Anything greater or something that's so much greater than any words of a philosopher or an apologist? It's to demonstrate a genuine unity with Christ. To where your very words, actions, thoughts, and desires reflect that of Christ. And you know what's going to happen? Man, they can argue with your points. They can argue with your views. They can argue with your sources. But at the end of the day, they can't argue with the unity in Christ. And when you're just living Jesus, not perfect. By the way, when you fail as a Christian and you confess and repent, that's even more so demonstrating your unity with Christ, by the way. 
Man, a Christian who fails and repents and calls on the name of Christ and says, I'm not perfect, I need forgiveness, man, that's going to demonstrate the love of Christ to your neighbor that doesn't know Christ. The Christian that walks around like he's got it all figured out, that's what turns people off because they know it's not true. Everyone in this room has got something. We're all messed up somewhere. Me included. That's the beauty of grace because it's just given freely to all who need it. And guess what? We all need it. Man, just live for Jesus and just say, God, I just want to demonstrate you to my neighbor. I just want to be unified with you. Man, I'm not against apologetics and I'm not against all this stuff. It's all good. I've got some great resources that I've read. But at the end of the day, somebody can just say, I reject that. Oh, but I quoted so-and-so. That's great. They reject it. By the way, what do you do when somebody says, I don't even believe the Bible? You say, well, I, I go around the Bible. That's kind of difficult when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what do you do with your neighbor who doesn't even receive the Bible as the Word of God? You know what you do? You don't just try to find another source. You just go, man, God, help me to live in a way that would glorify you to my neighbor, that they would see in my life, in my oneness with you, that you love them and you sent your son to die for them. Now we back it up with words. We put words to it when it's time. But man, so often we jump over the oneness parts. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't say it's the great way that you debate or you, you convince someone of these arguments. He says, no, 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 no. You want them to know that I was sent by the Father? You want them to know that I love them? Just be one with me. Just be one with me. And man, watch what I can do through you. Again, the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. Living like this and a belief like this will change our world. Show them that unity in Christ and allow his presence in your life to change them. We can't change all the craziness in our world. And let's just stop for a moment. Our world's pretty crazy, ain't it? Man, there's some stuff that I hear every day and I'm like, how crazy are we? The lack of just basic understanding of truth is just blowing me away daily. We protect a, a, an egg of a bald eagle greater than we protect the, the unborn life of a child. Tell me we're not crazy. Animal, bird, human being. Kill this, you go to prison. Kill this, it's called free choice. This is, this is crazy. Our world is nuts. And so what do you do? Debate? Argue? Boycott? Protest? Get on Facebook? How do we change the world? First of all, know that you individually will not change the craziness in our world. But man, if you just live in the unity of Christ, you will change your world. You can't change all the craziness. Don't try. But man, just focus on your world. God, give me a oneness with you that I can change my sphere of influence. That I live for you in a way that just glorifies Christ in all things. You can't change all the craziness, but you can change your world by the power of Christ. However, the opposite is also true. The less you dwell in a oneness with Christ, the more that will testify to the world of a self-centered life, not a gospel-centered life. You see, a oneness with Christ is so powerful because it leads us to the next idea of oneness, a oneness with each other. Look at verse 22. A oneness with Christ leads to a oneness with each other. And the glory which thou gavest to me, I have given to them, that they, they, that's us, the church, that they, that they may be one, even as we are one. So now we're not just saying we are 
allowed to be as close to the Father as Jesus is, but we can be as close to each other as the Father and Son are one. We can be one as the church. That's so crazy. How in the world can we be one? Let me just ask you a question, those of you that are married. How easy is it that whole, you know, two become one thing? How easy is that? First time that, you know, a couple weeks go by. Six weeks, you're like, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Ah." And then like six weeks, six months, whatever goes by, and you're like, you're such a slob. Pick up your underwear. Like, it's just, that's just two people trying to be one. Ladies, you ever walk in the bathroom? And how many of you are toilet paper over the top? Toilet paper over the top. How many are behind? Amen. Okay. It's godliness. Okay. Anyone have issue? I just want to know. You don't got to tell me the story, but I just want to testify. Any married couples actually fight over the whole squeezing of the toothpaste thing? Has that, did it ever become an issue? Raise your hand if it did. One hand, so two. Okay. Okay. Now, we all know, where do you squeeze the toothpaste from? These people that just grab in the middle, you're just lazy. Like, that's all it is. Like, Put a little work into your toothpaste, man. Come on. Jeez. My point is, the Bible says that when man and woman become husband and wife, two become one. And we see how difficult that can be practically. And that we tease about this stuff. There's more serious things that come up. But that's just a joking way to kind of look at the reality of that. But then Jesus says, no, no, the whole church is supposed to be one. Well, man, how in the world do we do that? Like, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to understand how Sandra hasn't killed me in 11 years, almost 12. It's nuts. Like, I would have killed me year two, okay? Like, it's just insane. So how do we do this? How do we survive as a church as one? To be honest, this is the practical evidence of our unity with Christ, is our unity in the church. The reality is that we don't want to admit if you walk into a church and they're divided, then the church people are not unified with Christ. That, that's just, that's the only way that breaks down. No, no, man, no, you don't understand. They, they said this and they did that. Oh, okay, so you're upset at so-and-so because they didn't shake your hand three Sundays in a row. That sounds pretty self-centered, not Christ-centered. How many divisions in church have been started and fueled by just silliness? And a lack of Christ first. But man, when we have that unity with Christ, it's a beautiful thing to walk into a body of Christ that's unified. That's just united on the same page. We're not all the same. Okay, we're talking about unity, not uniformity. We're not all the same person. I'm very different than you and you're very different than me. Amen. Praise God that you're different than me because that's just, that'd be too crazy. We're all individual, but we come together in the body of Christ. Why? Because we're one in Christ. We can be one with each other. This was the exact thing that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church he founded in Ephesus, a church he loved. He said this in Ephesians 4, 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Spirit that was given to us in salvation that makes us one with Christ can now keep us one with each other. The message paraphrase writes it this way, and I love the paraphrase in this sense. Alert at noticing differences. We're pretty different, right? Amen? We're alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. I like that. We're alert at noticing differences, but we're quick at mending fences. Divisions get, I mean, there's going to be some things that come up that we have to deal with. But you know what you do? You go in love and you just deal with it. And you keep 
the unity in the Spirit. There will be differences, but if we put forth their work, we can be one by the Spirit's power. Christ says our oneness with him will lead to a oneness in the church. Why is that so valuable? Because we are his temple. We are his temple. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, if you don't have a Bible, please go by the Welcome Center. We'd love to give you a Bible. You can also uh, download our app, North Goodland BC, on your app store. And there's a Bible app on there as well. Um, Many great resources if you use your device. Uh, version Bible app is a tremendous free resource as well. And I would encourage that as, as well. But if you want a paper Bible, uh, please go by the Welcome Center. Pick one up completely free. We just want to give you the Word of God. Uh, don't be embarrassed by that either. Uh, don't even worry about it. Just go grab one. And uh, we want the Word of God in your hands. And so look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. To whom coming is unto a living stone... Disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. We also, as living and lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is con um, contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, that he might believe on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, that's us, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Two things going on here. There's Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. He's the foundational stone of the church. But then there's these other stones, living stones, that are built up into a spiritual house. Guess what? That's you and I in the body of Christ. We are the stones of his temple Yes, we are individually the temple of God, but often in Scripture when it says we are the temple, it is referring to a collective body, the church as a whole, and we are but a part of the greater temple. Peter wrote this epistle, this letter, to five different provinces in Rome, and yet he says they are all part of one spiritual house. This letter was written to five different regions of believers, and he says, but yet we are all one in Christ. Christ first mentioned the church in, uh, in the Gospels as a building that he is building. I love what Warren Worsby says about the building of the church. Each time, Worsby says, and I love this, I want to read this to you. Each time someone trusts in Christ, another stone is quarried out of the pit of sin and cemented by grace into the building. It may look to us that the church on earth is a pile of rubble and ruins, but God sees the total structure as it grows. What a privilege, Worsby says, we have to be a part of his church and habitation of God through the Spirit. Do you ever look at the church of Christ and think, man, what is God ever going to do with this? What could God ever possibly do with a group of people like this? Man, we're just, we got our issues, we got problems and struggles. But man, when we come together in the unity of Christ and we realize who we are, he can see the beautiful structure that he is building. Basically, to summarize, we, plural, are the singular temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says it this way, and I'm just going to read it for time's sake. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says it this way. Know you not that you are the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 
This is not the individual you, like as in Steve or Dave. It's you, like as in my wife's cousins would say from Arkansas, y'all. I love the word y'all because it's just, just sounds so y'all. How y'all doing? Okay, that's how they say it. What y'all doing? How y'all doing? What y'all up to? I'm like, what did you say, Bethany? Y'all never understand what I say. You're right. We don't understand. You are right. We don't understand what you say. Y'all crazy. Okay, all right, whatever. That's the idea here. It's y'all. It's this collective you. Not individually saying you all, y'all, are the temple of God. Man, isn't that a powerful, powerful truth? You are the temple of God. I want to give a little illustration here. And uh, hopefully you can understand where I'm going with this. Just kind of give a visual to it. So I've got, you can't really see it probably, but I've got a little Lego. You guys see that? Everybody look at the Lego. Once you've seen the Lego, nod at me. You've seen it. Some of you follow instructions really well. Some of you are very stubborn. No one's nodding on this side. Do you see the Lego? Do you see it? Ethan, do you see the Lego? Okay, Wes. Wes is going, no. Get glasses, okay. Um, it's, 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 It's just a Lego. Okay, a little two, two-piece Lego. Some of you have children that these things are like just death. Like these things at four in the morning, that kills your foot right there. Okay, that's a death jab, okay? Some of us are like this Lego. And we, we want to be kind of out here. Like, oh, look at me. I'm a Lego. Okay? We work so hard to make sure our edges are finer than any other Lego piece. I mean, look at that Lego. That's a great-looking Lego. Look at me out here. I'm such a good Christian. Man, everybody look at the Lego. Look at over me. Look at over here. And we do this and we live this way. We think it's all about us. We want to be noticed. We want to get the attention. What do we want? Because after all, we're the Lego. But let me ask you a question. If you were a kid and your mom said, here, I want you to go play with Legos. You'd be like, what do you want me to do with this? Nobody wants to look at or play with one Lego. And this is us as Christians. We went through our whole lives trying to be the best looking Lego but we're just individual. We're out here on our own. We haven't connected to anything. And nobody wants to play with that. Nobody wants to look. Nobody goes to like, I went to Legoland. We took the kids to Legoland. If I would have walked into Legoland and there was like one Lego on the table and that was Legoland, I'd be like, I want my money back, right? This is not Legoland. This is Lego piece, right? Like it's crazy. But many of us do this. In reality, we're talking about the temple of God. So I had Anthony, my oldest, build me a temple. I'm going to try not to break it. Okay, so I said, Anthony, build me a, le- a temple. I said, I'm not going to give any detail. Just build me a temple. He actually has a throne here. And he said, that's where Jesus sits. Okay, so Jesus isn't in the temple right now, though. So he's also got a little barrel over here. You guys see the temple? He's got a barrel with, like, food for offering. stuff. Like, I mean, it's very, very detailed temple, okay? Like, I could worship in this building. It's awesome, okay? So I said, Anthony, build me a temple. So he built me a temple. And so, so many of us, what we do is we forget, and I'm really trying hard not to drop this. So if I, I'm going to put it down, actually. Switch hands. Okay. We say, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be part of the temple. This is the church. This is the body of Christ, and this is you. And we're usually over here like, look at me. I'm all doing my own thing. And God is like, but I can't use you like I want to use you in the temple. And what we do is this. We want to be in the temple, but we want to be right up here. Right? Why do we want to be there? Why do we want to be in the front? Look at me. Hey, man, I'm in the front. Everybody loves me. They pay attention to me. And we want to be a part of the temple if we get noticed, right? But the key is not to be in the front of the temple. Some of us need to be okay with just being back here, right? You know why it doesn't matter where we are in the temple? Because I'm a part of it. Yeah, that's you. 
that little piece right there. And you know what? At first glance, you don't even notice it with the rest of the Legos. But the key is, I'm just a part of it. Man, what powerful truth it is to be a part of the temple of God that he's been building for 2,000 years called the church. And every time someone receives Christ, they're just placed into the temple. And you know what? A Lego by itself is not very strong. A Lego by itself is not very powerful, not very creative. But man, when you're placed into the body of Christ, now you have strength. You have edification. Every time that we are placed into the body of Christ, we receive the blessing of being connected to the Apostle Paul, John, Mark, even Jesus, the chief cornerstone. We become one with them. And in order to be the most effective and the most powerful change makers in the world today for the glory of God, we must realize that we are one. When you are connected to that temple, you receive the strength of the other stones as well as the support and strength for others. We must stop trying to build the church with our own blueprints and follow the blueprints given in the word of God. It's not about being the most important Lego in the temple. It's not about being the most visible one. It's about just being part of the body of Christ for his glory and our building up. And do you realize the beautiful truth that you are now connected to the body of Christ for strength and for support and encouragement? You're not meant to go through this world alone. That's not how it's supposed to be. We need each other. So I have to ask a question. Has Jesus' prayer in John 17 been answered? Are we one with him? Jesus prayed it. I pray, Father, they would be one. Has Jesus' prayer been answered? The answer is yes. Yes. We are one with him in salvation. And by the filling and sealing of the Holy Spirit, we will also be one with him forever, as he prayed in John 17, verse 24. So what's the problem then? If oneness is available in Christ and in the church, then what's the problem? The problem arises when we begin to live differently than we are capable of living. We start allowing differences and disagreements to divide our unity. We start allowing differences in doctrine, which sometimes is needed to divide the basic unity of the Spirit. Live in the reality of the fulfilled prayer of Jesus Christ. Live in unity Just as the Father and Son are one, we are one, so that the gospel is shown to the world for his glory and his praise. Amen and amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. And the invitation this morning is very simple. And I want you to respond simply. In just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to evaluate where are you in your oneness with Christ? If it's oneness is available, are you living in that close relationship with the Father? Are you living in that connected unity with the Father? And so here's what I want to do with your heads bowed and nobody looking around, but just begin to pray. And say, God, help me to live in unity with you. Help me to live in a oneness that you've made available through your spirit. Help me to live in a unity with the church. That I'll stop trying to live out here on my own. Stop trying to do my own thing, my own way. 
Stop trying to have the finest edges and the best-looking Lego that I can be, but just realize it's about connecting back into the body of Christ to be able to be a blessing to others, to encourage others, and to receive the strength and the encouragement that I need to live this daily life as a follower of Christ. Maybe you're here this morning with your heads bowed. You're stuck in a sin situation. You feel like you just can't break free. Then I'm going to ask you when we pray in just a moment, give it to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've made some mistakes recently that you've confessed, but you just seem to can't let go of. Give it to Him. Stop holding on to that. If He's forgiven you, you need to let it go and rest in His grace and forgiveness and move on. If you're here and you've been hurt by someone, they've sinned against you in some way, and you want to forgive, but you're just struggling to forgive, then ask Him to give you the grace and the strength to forgive. And to forgive. And to forgive. Every time you think of it, and bitterness rises up. Every time you think of it, and anger rises up. You forgive again, and you forgive again. Because you realize in your closeness with Christ how much you've been forgiven. And it leads you to forgive others. Maybe you're here and again, you're just kind of disconnected from the church. And I encourage you to plug in, get connected, build those relationships because life is hard. We need each other. Father, I pray that you would just speak through your Holy Spirit. You'd help us to know that we can be so close to you this morning, that we are one with you by your blood your sacrifice, your death, burial, and resurrection. May we just lean on that for all the encouragement we need to be one with you. Father, help us to live in the life that we're capable of living and not reverting back to this old way of living, this old way of thinking, getting focused on self and forgetting you. Father, help us to see the value of the church, to see the value of connecting into the body of Christ. It's not about being the most predominant Lego. It's not about being the most seen Lego. It's about just being a part of the church, the body of Christ. And wherever you plug us in, we're fine. Thankful to be a part of this great church, your church, that you're building. So Father, in all these things, would you lead God and direct as we just respond to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I encourage you as we sing in just a moment, if you want to come and pray, bend a knee. You feeling distant from God? Man, you're one prayer away from being closer to Him than ever before. One prayer. God, I'm sorry I've drifted. Bring me back and help me to live for you. Maybe you want to come and pray. Pray there in your seats. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to Him as He leads this morning as we sing?